It's the Stretch Four Podcast, your weekly look at hoops, hip hop, culture, and life. From yeah. me, Aaron Herzog. And me, Keenan Willis. What's up? You know what's up, Keenan. We're just trying to bring a championship level podcast to Philadelphia or anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're oh, up to. Oh, man. Check my name, man. Check my Twitter name. Yeah. Mm hmm. Ask about me. Ask about, yeah, uh huh. That's what that was. It was trolling. Oh, God. You know what? And not, not the first planting of the first seeds. I would, say, I would just appreciate if Joel just owned it. Yeah. Just say, hey, like, guess just, what? Don't take, yeah. I'm the MVP. Don't take me for granted. Yeah. Just own it. Cause don't, like, don't try to, to pull try to this gap year. Now. Yeah. Don't try to pull yeah. this gap year bullshit. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, just call it call it what it is, and like put some legitimate, uh, you know, fear in the hearts of uh of leadership and ownership. Yeah, not this cryptic fear. Not this. Josh Harris is busy now. You know his his eyes are elsewhere. Yeah, not this LeBron James in 2017 fit in, don't fit out nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Just, no, just, just say just say what you mean. Say you it with your what? chest. And every fan who's worried right now and saying like, saying like, oh no, what if he wants to leave? Would respect it more. They yeah. would. They would respect the move more. They would respect him more and feel let. They would feel less scared and feel more motivated to, uh, to take it out on the team instead of him. To be like, yeah, hey, look what we have. This is what. This is what everything this past 10 years was about. To get a guy like this. Right. And to build a team around him. And to win a championship and to not have to start all over again. Right. These are these are all make the plans. it happen. You you <laughs> you blew every asset that you built so you could start building around him. Yeah. Don't don't let it fall apart now. Don't try to do some sort of half measure step in the middle nonsense. For for a man that has embraced and and nicknamed himself the process. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like if you want if you want to declare that time over and call it like time to cash in, then then let's let's talk about it. But say it with your chest. Don't just hint at it. Don't just try to walk it back, you know? Yeah. Yeah, don't try to, you know, don't try to just claim that you're you're being a troll. Because it's because it's not like you wouldn't say that if you didn't mean it. You know? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's not a troll. That's not what <laughs> trolling is. Yeah. Tro trolling's not like saying it with a smile. You, if you mean it, you still, you can say it with a smile, but you still mean it. Yeah. You know, like that's you can't, you, you yeah, you can't, I don't you can't what, be the uh, the fun loving troll and then also in the same know, breath be like, you gotta win. I don't I, know I'm what, guy. yeah, I don't know what NBA players are allowed to say. I don't, I don't think there's any sort of restrictions on, on what an NBA player could say, but trolling would be like, I don't care if that's in Philadelphia, in Cleveland, in <laughs> New Orleans. Like he would start naming right. cities, like places, right. with, you know. 
in right. Oklahoma City, like places he would never go or maybe right. would go. You know, he'd be right. like in right. New York, in Oklahoma City, in God. you know, he names places that don't even have teams. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just just say in Vegas. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just just say what in whether that's here or in Vegas. But with that being said, you know, with with all of that being said about like, hey, let's not take this guy for granted. Let's let's try to build around him. Let's not look at some sort of weird arbitrary like uh, let's not look at who's might be free agents or available by trade next offseason. So you have some sort of flexibility Uh, with that all being said. What do they do? Where are they right now? What are the moves that this team needs to make to. To do that, to build around him, to make, you know, to continue to be a championship contender, especially if, you know, James Harden's leaving and no one around the league values him to give the Sixers anything in return. Yeah, I mean, so there's there's a couple things. I think you have to clearly define what the market is for Harden and clearly define what the market is for Tobias Harris. It sounds like we have defined what the market is for Harden. Yeah. Which is currently not that great. Um, and so that kind of hamstrings you a little bit in, in terms of what you can get back. And and we're we're I feel like we're in this like weird game of chicken right now with uh with the Clippers because they know that we need to move him. Yeah, but we also know that they need him. Sure. And we also know he wants to be there. And yeah. we know that they we know that they know that he knows that he wants to be there. You know, and like it's, yeah, everybody, yeah, everybody wants it to happen. It's kind of the only thing that really makes sense. Yeah, right now, yeah. no other teams are stepping up saying like we'll we'll give you anything of value for him. And the Clippers right. aren't even trying. The Clippers are trying to like not give absolutely anything of value. They won't even put like Terrence Mann into a into a trade. Well, and like. to, to be fair, I get it. You know, like I, I get their position. They're like, listen, we're trying to win. So, you know, we see Harden as a a third piece for us. Yeah. We, we see James Harden as a point guard, as an they, available I point guard. I was just going to say, he's going to be their playmaker. He's going to be there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and, which, and like, so, like, I we're don't not see trying why, to give up anything. Which I don't see why that's something that he would want to do. Based on his, the wait. Based on what he said about like sacrificing to play in Philadelphia, sure, because um, he's not the center of the offense anymore. So I, I, and and this this kind of leads to something that um, we we've discussed off the air and you know kind of wrote in the rundown and things like that is like where where does Harden see himself versus where does the rest of the league see himself? Because I think. I think he went into this thinking that the rest of the league still saw him as the guy that like probably was a all-star snub last year. Yeah. If he wasn't hurt. Um, but I don't know if that's how the league sees him now. And and his his options are like continue to reinforce that. Yeah. By by playing with a, a an MVP candidate a, at this point, a, a perennial MVP candidate in and beat or go somewhere else for a shot at maybe showing something else, you know, but like at at, at the end of the day, he's just trying to get that last check 
Yeah. Here's what I wonder about uh, yeah. Harden. Because mm-hmm. last season and in his time in Philadelphia, he definitely proved that he can be the secondary option. He can yeah, make sure. adjustments. He doesn't need to be a guy who the offense runs around. He still can be a playmaker at high levels. You know, he mm-hmm. was, did he lead the league in assists last year? Was per, he close to game. it? Yeah, he led the league in assists per game. Sure, a lot of that's just giving the ball to the guy who scores the most points. So, you know, those are pretty simple assists. But, hey, he's still... Somebody's got to do it. Leading lead. He's still a threat to score. He sure. can still turn it on and carry a team if and when necessary, you know, for 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 parts, for parts of the time. I'm wondering if the problem with Harden isn't his game which is still at an an all-star level. He should have been an all-star last year. But if it is with the fact that he's a disruptor, you know, he he didn't want to play for Houston. He wanted to go to Philly or Brooklyn. He went to Brooklyn, then he went to Philly. He didn't want to be in either one of those places. He's disrupting everywhere he goes. On the court, he seems to be playing well everywhere he went. Brooklyn was better when he was on the floor than when he wasn't. He was the best player of... Yeah, of of Kyrie Harden and and uh, KD, sure. When they were all playing together, he's the guy who kind of made it work. He was sure. sort sure. of the best player of all three of them, statistically at least. You know, and that probably has a lot to do with the gravity yeah. that yeah. K- KD has, like you yeah. know, the attention yeah. that he gets. Yeah. Um, but is he just that much of a question mark? Are they afraid? He's going to because I don't think it's money either. His contract isn't that bad. His contract isn't, you know, especially compared to like a lot of the money other people are making. Yeah, he's not yeah. on that. He's on a relatively team friendly deal. Yeah. Third, well, yeah, it well, sort of, sort, sort of. of, sort of. Yeah. He's on one for this year. Yeah. The thing is, I think. You mentioned that he's a disruptor. I would argue that he's not a disruptor at all. Um, he, you know, talks about how he wants to win a championship, uh, but he's not willing to do anything differently. That's the thing. Like he had, he had success in a season and not quite a half with Embiid in mm-hmm. doing something else. Yeah, and was like, nah. No, let's I don't not like do this. that. I don't, I don't like enjoy this. I don't want to do this. Yeah. You know, so like, how much do you really want to win? Because at this point, I think, I think he has to know that he is not 2017 James Harden. I think he yeah. has to know that. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I even, I, I, I don't, I don't think he's that delusional. I don't know if those two 40 point games in, in the Eastern Conference semis were the, the best or worst thing that could have happened to him. Uh, but he's gotta, he's gotta recognize that like, if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same result. I mean, no matter how, no matter how much of a, of a boost those two games were game six and seven should have brought it right back down, right, right back down to earth. Right. But game seven, you could argue was, it wasn't, it wasn't that he, he shot poorly. It was that he didn't shoot the ball, you know, like. So it's it's Which so strange, like, kind of a thing. Like it's been yeah. a thing with him, just like not sh- not not badly performing, just not showing up in the yeah, biggest it's moment. Very, it's very strange. It's like he decides that he's going to play this like uh, 
I'm going to have the ball 18 out of the 24 seconds of the shot clock brand throughout the regular season. And then he gets to the postseason and is either gassed or he's like, "Uh, you know what? All right. Teams are teams are actually going to try to take the ball out of my hands now. So I'm going to try to do something completely different. I guess. Yeah, I guess I have to do something different. Like I, I and it's not, and it's not like a system where you have like your your number one option, and then you have like plays off of that. If the defense takes your number one option away, you have like alternates. It's completely built on isolation. So it's completely, there's not really anything else to do. Everybody's just standing around watching. And it's it's, not like he's not getting the shots. The -hmm. defense really isn't taking anything away. He's just not shooting it. He's just not, you know, so like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's very strange. And I want, I wonder how much of it is like, how much of it is mental? How much of it is like, I can't fail if I don't try like like that type of thing. I mean, at this point, it's like one of those things, like you gotta, you gotta figure it's mental somehow, some, somewhere it's gotta be mental. It's like, it's like, if he can do that, if he can, because even when he was, even in 2017, you know, he would disappear during those big games. You know, it's like, I, I will never, I'll never forget this. And it's like a thing that like is always in my brain. And it's something my dad told me when I was in high school. I probably mentioned it on this, but he referred to me as like a practice player. Like Mm. he referred to Mm -hmm. me as like, so like I would dominate in practice. I would dominate in practice. I would dominate when it didn't matter. And then like when the pressure was on, like I wouldn't like something got to me. I wouldn't show up in the same way. And like, that you know like even like in high like i dominated jv basketball you know because it didn't really like you know what i mean like something in my head was was, like this doesn't matter pressure that pressure is not there yeah yeah but then like when you know when like something mattered i would like you know defer or like you know look to look to do something else instead of like taking over or you know defer to my teammates look to set picks look to like be a role player when like instead of like how i played when it didn't matter, which was like, you know, taking over and actually playing well and doing the right thing and being, you know, somebody who would contribute to, you know, right. not just look to get, you know, other people going, but by doing that, not really contributing as much, you know. Right. Well, like it, it reminds me of that, like Patrick Ewing clip that that has now been memed when 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 he's coaching, like, have you ever shot that shot? I've never seen you shoot that shot. I've never seen you practice that shot. So like, why do you think that this is a good time to try that? Like, yeah, do the things that got you here. If you fail at doing the things that got you there. Sure. There are lessons, but Mm. like, if you, if you get somewhere and have strong success in the regular season, doing something, and then in the playoffs, you decide, let's try to do something different. Yeah. And you're consistently failing step one is probably just do what you normally do. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he becomes this passive player instead of, you know, he plays the regular season trying to impose his will on the defense. And then he, he tries to then read and react in the postseason, And that's just like, not the, it's not the way to do it. And you can even see, it's like a game to game decision. Yeah. There's nights where he's like, all right, it, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do it tonight. And mm-hmm. he, and he can still do it. Uh, it's just like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if it's like him, you know, switching a flip or 
flipping a switch. <laughs> yeah. I never, never get that one right. But I wonder how much <laughs> it, is it just him deciding to turn it on or off and how much of it is like circumstance. It's like, oh, did he sleep well last night or did he, right. you know what I mean? Did he stretch? Did he get the proper like warm up? Like how much of it is like preparation or circumstance and how much of it is like his, you know, it's all, the, you know, the mental I'm... game and the prep, pre- you know. I will be honest. It's some of some of it really does feel like first contact. Does he get the call? Yeah. If you watch it, because it's like, oh, you didn't get that first call. All right. And then he just decides it's not going to be his night. So he yeah. like does other things. Yeah. Yep. In the in the postseason. Yeah. Certainly. When, certainly when Scott Foster's on the floor. Interesting. Like you can you can say all you want about Scott Foster not calling him correctly. Mm-hmm. You can see that in James immediately. But when the first yeah, one, it's go- it it's done. Yeah. Yeah. It's done. Um, yeah. So like, you know, at a certain point we're we're just going to see like, do the Clippers, do the Clippers cave first and like give us maybe a little more than they'd like to, or do we just, you know, finally cave and, yeah, keep him up because, like, I, I who's who's done what we want James to do with his, you know, with his time. If he, you know, if he play whatever, if he plays for the Sixers, wherever he goes, mm-hmm. is there like a comp for career wise, an MVP level guy mm-hmm. who kind of ages past his prime and mm-hmm. falls into a role player situation, not where he like is just a coach on the floor. You know what I mean? Not like a Udonis Haslam or yeah, not even yeah. really like a Vince Carter because Vince yeah. Carter went from like a main guy to just kind of like a bench guy, you know, like he never yeah. had that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The closest I can think is like Jason Kidd, but Jason Kidd was never really like, really like he was he wasn't the star star. Horror. Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah, you know, he, he did it all, but he was all, you know, but yeah. that's the closest I can think of just right off the top of my head. Of a well, guy it's tough, for, like it's to tough for him as a guard. Yeah. Like my, my mind immediately went to Carl Malone, but I don't know if that's really like the best because like you, you hear some stories um, from like his Laker days where like he still was kind of. I don't think Carl Malone's the best tre- example for anything. Well, that's fair. That's that's very fair. Unless unless you're talking about how to be a piece of shit. But yeah. Uh, um, but like you hear some stories from those Laker days and you're like, ah, it sounds like he still thought he was the mailman. And like maybe he. Oh, was, yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he was like Uber Eats delivery yeah. guy more so, you know? Yeah, he thought he thought he was. A, he, he tried to he tried to pick up Vanessa Bryant. I, I just yeah, read yeah. about that recently. There, there, there you go. Prime, prime example. So like, yeah, that's where, that's where my mind immediately went. But like, I don't know, like maybe, like maybe, maybe like last season check in my last season in Miami. I was just, I was going to say maybe to a certain point Shaq on the Miami championship team where he deferred to wait a little bit, but he was still just like. He was still Shaq, you know. But he, but he at least came out and said that up front, like, yeah. "Hey, Dwayne, this is your team." Was is there you a part I mean? of like 
Kareem's career where like Magic became the guy and Kareem was still like yeah, like a secondary focus, like that kind sure. of Sure, yeah. Yeah, you could yeah, you could yeah, yeah, I think you could I think you can make that argument. Um because it seems it honestly, it seems like Kareem was kind of ready to just hang it up. And... He it seems like Magic <laughs> extended his career by a few years. Yeah. 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 But like, but that's different. That's completely different when you're a big man to a guard. Right. You know, I, f- right. I feel like it's an easier transition to make because just, you know, big men kind of have to wait to, yeah. to get the ball anyway. You know, you can't you can't dictate that as as easily as a guard can. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't know that there's much of a I don't know. I don't, Well, I don't know that we've seen it on this level. You know, like, so I don't know that we've seen it so publicly because yeah. and because you, also, you didn't have someone playing like Harden before. Well, I was that, just going to say who else had such like a like a, you know, usage rate like Harden. Right. Who else right. was of a guard was like completely built around like, you know, Iverson on the Sixers. But like he didn't make that transition at all. He right. like, famously couldn't really do it. And like he, you know the way that they built teams completely around him kind of made that yeah. transition hard, you know, like he yeah. didn't have to yeah. ever play to that. They built rosters completely around what he could do. Right. Right. Yeah. It's Which it's always tough. makes it funny when I hear like the stories of how many times like Larry Brown almost traded Allen Iverson, how yeah. many times Larry Brown wanted to trade Allen Iverson. And it's like, you realize how bad the team would have been no matter what this, the return for Iverson would have been the team was completely catered around what he did yeah how, like you what were what was your plans if you were to try, you like you were gone if if you, you can't Iverson, return yeah yeah you, can, you can't you can't return a custom suit like that's <laughs> that thing was that thing was built for him yeah yeah it makes no sense that they would try to trade him anywhere else and like and what they would have just had to strip it to the bones from there. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's, you can't oh, go forward with like, you know, Eric Snow and George Lynch and Dikembe Matumbo. You can't, no matter who yeah. you get back for Iverson. No. No. <laughs> no. It's, it's not doing go? it. Yeah. Where, where was like the trade that was like done? Oh, but then, was it Detroit? No, I, that's uh, that sounds familiar. But then he also played there, so I'm not sure if that's what I'm remembering. Yeah, that might be what I'm what I'm like falsely <laughs> remembering too. There was apparently like some trade that was done, but then somebody like failed a physical or something. Yeah, yeah. I'll 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 find. Is it, it something I'll... we could find very quickly? Yes, absolutely. Um, and this was before his say. MVP year. That was Detroit. It was Detroit. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it and was Matt, Matt, Matt Geiger, Geiger. De- yeah. declined. It, Matt Geiger didn't waive his trade kicker. You know what? Good for him. Yeah. Because if you got traded, if you got traded away from a situation that was like finals or bust, I would want a little raise. Because because yeah. you as a fringe player, your job security isn't there. Allen's gonna be fine. You get moved in that deal. You're very disposable. So, like, yeah, you pay me a little more if you're going to make me do this. Does it say what the Sixers were getting back? Would have uh, sent him to the Pistons. A cor- one version of the deal, according to the ESPN, would have sent Iverson and Geiger to Detroit. Yeah. 
Eddie Jones, Glenn Rice, Jerome Williams, and Dale Ellis to Philadelphia. Jerry Stackhouse, Christian Leitner, and Travis Knight to Charlotte. And Anthony Mason, Tony Kukoc, and Todd Fuller to the Lakers. This was a this was moving all kinds of pieces around. Been an interesting fit with the Lakers. So the Sixers would have got it. Wow, what Eddie Jones, Glenn Rice, Jerome Williams, and Dale Ellis. What a Larry Brown ass team that would have been. <laughs> So that was before they had Matumbo. So they would have yeah. still had like Theo Ratliff. Yeah. So it would have been Eric Snow, Glenn Rice, Eddie Jones, George Lynch, Tyrone Hill, and uh and Theo Ratliff. And 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 Jerome Williams. Don't forget uh and Jerome Williams. Don't forget the, the jump what a, dog. What a nineteen ninety-eight <laughs> ass team. What That's a, a- what an Indiana Pacers ass team that was. That's a first to seventy five wins. Yeah, uh-huh. a, you know, let's 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 try to get to eighty. That's that's what that team is. Oh my god, that would have been rough to watch. Larry Brown would have never left. Would have been that nice was... to get Eddie Jones back back on Broad Street, but like that would have oof. My they would have broadcast their games in black and white. It would have been like watching the nineteen sixties <laughs> Celtics. They would have been just running around each other, handing the ball off underhand to each other. That literally would have, that literally would have changed the landscape of the NBA as a twenty-four player trade. Yeah, wild. All because Matt Geiger said no. Would have been another three million. 3.3 mil. That's wild. Yeah, just like 24 guys looking for new houses and new cities, and then Matt Geiger squashes it. That's that's bananas. Yeah. God. And then you go out the, the next year and you you win MVP. Like that's yeah. wild. Uh-huh. Maybe that's what he needed, though, you know. I think I mean, I think he did credit it to as like yeah. giving him a kick in the ass and like getting his getting his his shit together yeah giving him the boost that he needed to yeah my thing is okay let's look at who james harden has played with over his career right he's played with katie twice russ twice yeah john wall chris paul dwight howard dwight howard uh, I mean, how much help do you need? Serge Ibaka, Serge Waka Flocka Ibaka, yes. Eric uh, I mean... Gordon, <laughs> Shane Battier. Was Battier yes. still on the Rockets? <laughs> he was. He did to play with Battier. Yeah, he crossed. PJ Tucker twice. Yeah, you know, like I, who, how much help do you need? At what point do you say? This has probably been, uh, KD included, my my best partnership. I don't know. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that maybe building uh, a whole basketball team around uh, the offensive, uh, you know, planning on giving up one player 40% usage rate isn't the best way is, to play like- winning basketball. Shocker! Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and maybe not blame James Harden, but blame all of his enablers, 
who built basketball teams specifically around just letting him hold the ball for the entire time. No wonder why that plan of attack falls through in the playoffs when you only have yeah. one thing. Oh, maybe we'll do a pick and roll. Maybe I'll have a rim running center to pick and roll with. Yeah. It's not going to work. Maybe that's not the best way to play basketball. Do you Maybe think everybody's saying way... that they hated watching it was right. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing. I thought that I just like when when he first got here, I was like, mm, I really don't enjoy watching James Harden play, but like I'm getting excited by the prospects. And then he and then he came here, and I was like, uh, this is annoying to watch, but like I think I I I get it a little more now because he was giving the ball up. No, I was, I, I, we were right. It just, it's not, it's not fun to watch. And like when it matters, when the game slows down, it's not as effective, but here's my question. Is there any, any shot at reconciliation? Like, let's, let's say, let's say the Clippers just aren't moving and we're at training camp. They keep saying no. Everything that keeps coming out says that like James keeps doubling down on saying that he wants, but I don't believe it. I think that there's a chance. I think that like if I think that somebody will be able to talk to him and be like, look, like you see, like I would show him, I would sit him down. I would bring, I would show him what other teams are offering for him and say, do you see this? This is what the, this is what the league thinks your value is right now. Right. Prove, right. come, come out here and prove them wrong. Right. And you're either going to start having fun playing in Philadelphia and we're going to ride this to, you know, for a playoff run. And you're going to say, all right, I'll stick around here. Or you're going to play your way out of here because somebody's going to offer what we think, what we know you're worth. We're right. set, We're the ones who believe in you. We're the ones who are saying we're not going to give you up for nothing. You know? Right. I don't know if that will work. But I, but that's the only way to. That's the only way to do it. Say, look how much everybody else is disrespecting you. Yeah, sure, you want to go to the, the Clippers, but guess what? The Clippers don't want you. If the Clippers wanted you, they'd give us something for you. Yeah, they would. They would have you now if they really. If the wanted Clippers you. wanted you, they would have offered to sign you as a free agent if you opted out of your contract in the first place. Well, well, so somebody well. would have. <laughs> it would have been harder. It would have yeah. been harder. They would they would have sure, had to yeah. move those those empty contracts first. But also, don't think it would have been that hard to move yeah. those expiring contracts. There's plenty of teams that would have helped facilitate that. Hell, yeah, Houston probably would have helped that just to fuck Daryl Morey. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, they, they've got. I'm, sh- I'm sure if the Clippers came to them and were like, "Listen, we're just trying to move some space. We're gonna acquire Harden." They'd have been like, yeah, we'll help you out. Yeah, just give us just like give us a couple of picks. We'll help you out. Probably right. Say they're signing people that you know, like yeah, I'm sure they would have. Um, last last thing, and I'll get off Harden. Um, his Insta story today. Being uncomfortable or being comfortable for so long, it's time to get uncomfortable. I saw that. What does it mean? Does it mean anything? I don't know. It's like, what have you been comfortable doing? Is this is this is this you maybe saying, 
I've been comfortable dominating the ball. It's time to get uncomfortable. I would hope that that's what you're saying. Because that's true. You have been, you know, you've been you've been playing the same brand of basketball forever. And I'm sure you're very comfortable doing that. Maybe it's time to get uncomfortable and learn a new style. See what happens. I'm going to I'm going to choose to believe that that's what he's saying. Yeah. Because I think what what makes me agree with you that some sort of reconciliation is possible is that the beef seems to be with the team, not with 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 the with the franchise, not with the team. You know what I mean? So, like, it feels like if there's a personal appeal from the team, maybe you could sway. Yeah. I don't know. But if it is truly just about the money, which I do believe it is, um, because, uh, like, let's let's be honest. He, ha- he has left a lot of money on the table over the last couple of years oh yeah and he you know he said that like he's he's pissed because of it he said he's mad that they said that they would like oh you're taking a you you know you're taking a a deal a team-friendly deal for the first year you know wink wink we'll take care of you next year and then they are like uh we'd rather be (laughs) uh no thanks uh we'll rather be flexible you know well that's the thing they didn't even do that if we're if we're to believe the reports it wasn't even that we decided to renege on that. It's that mm-hmm. we didn't say anything. Okay. You know what I mean? Which kind of just left him out there to be like, well, are you going to take care of me or, or what? Cause here's my thing. Like if it, honestly, if you, before this whole opt-in thing, I was, I was kind of sitting in the camp of like, if you look at where contracts are going, if you just like give him like a, a two three year deal right now at max money that's mm-hmm. probably really not gonna be that bad like if you have jalen brown slated to make 70 million at the end of his extension if he if he if he signs in if he opts in if you got dames already on the books for 65 66 million in the in the last year of his deal like what's given Harden 43 you know, like what in in the grand scheme of things, and I know it sounds wild, just being uh-huh. dismissive about money like that. But like, what what's for what's forty three versus what these contracts could be versus yeah. what Maxi or could like make, or what know, like, Jalen Brown's going to get? Right. If 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 you were to trade for Dane, like that's what you're signing up for. You're signing up for three three more four more years of some pretty big numbers on the back end of that. Mm-hmm. So like, you don't want, you don't want to give them like 45 a year for two, three years. Uh, but now we're, we're, we're past that point. We can't really, we can't really do anything about that. So I don't know. Do I, do I think, do I think reconciliation is possible? I do. Uh, but at this point, like, I no no I honestly I'm optimistic because as much as it would screw the team and as much as the team you know this is this is a make or break year for the franchise mm-hmm. it hurts hard and more to screw this up if like Maury's really going to dig in his heels and be like I'm not moving you unless we're we're getting better then 
it's gonna hurt hard more. Yeah. He's got he's gotta he he wants that last deal. He's gotta go earn that right now. Cause if I'm a team, I'm not signing him right now. You know what I mean? Like I'm not signing you out right, knowing that you just quit on three teams in a row. Or tried to. Not giving you big money, but if you know, if you if you show me that you can be that guy, then maybe maybe I will give you a, a you know two two year big money deal, and then let's see if we can make this work. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be interesting. It certainly will. Keenan, I've got something hip hop for us to talk about this week. Yeah, I've uh, I've sent you. Uh, I've sent you the the Instagram profile mm-hmm. based on some targeted ads that I got. I think it's a very interesting uh, program that's out there, and it is yeah. a uh, what's it called? Uh, I I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna plug the actual name of it because I <laughs> one one I forget, and two they're not paying us. Yeah. Um, but there is a I keep getting ads on Instagram for a MIDI controller that is controlled by just the user's voice. Yeah. So you can, you know, choose an instrument and then just hum a tune, say I want guitar to play this or you know whatever kind of guitar and it's 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 going to play it. It's, and it's it's yeah, instead of speech to text it's like speech to DAWs basically. To music. Yeah. And as like I think it's pretty. This is something that I've literally dreamed about for a year. Like back when I used to like do more music, I would be like, oh, I wish that like I don't even want to learn rudimentary piano because you could do like with a piano MIDI controller, you could basically do that now. Since like forever, like GarageBand could do that for decades at this point. You know what I mean? You could plug a MIDI controller in and you know, choose the, the sounds. But being able to do it with your mouth is like some new level of like opening up the opening up the ability to create music to people who I'm going to ask you should they have the <laughs> should they have this sort of access should it be this well, easy to be able to like create some sort of music I, so i'm i'm glad you mentioned that you know the whole like midi controller thing because like the more i thought about this i was like no, you can just do this now anyway. If you know piano, but you still have to know piano. No, 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 no. Without a piano, you can still do this now without it, without the need of an, a, a crazy plugin. Well, the only plugin you would need would be auto tune. Really? Uh, but you could, you could just, you could just sing a line into any sort of digital audio workstation, make sure you pitch correct it uh, with auto tune and then just transfer that grid to a, to a different instrument you can just switch the instrument on the on the piano roll that's in there like you you could do this but it's not this this like takes a a few steps out of that process it makes it a little easier okay um, what i do think is interesting about this is for drums um because i think the drums are are somehow both the easiest and hardest thing to do um and 
this makes drums, I think, a lot simpler, or at least makes the starting point a lot simpler. You think it's um, simpler? Because I, I yeah. would think that just like programming like drums, like Fruity Loop style is about as simple it, as it gets. It is. It is simple, but like it, it's I much easier I, for me to, or much faster rather, for me to just like beatbox like something. beatbox a drum, Yeah. Yeah, then then to actually go in and program it. And like once you know what you're doing, like you could it's not that much faster. Um yeah. but at that point, this this isn't for you anyway. You know, like this is this solution isn't for you once you get to that point where you're that fast programming jumps. So it's interesting, it's interesting for the novice. But to to your question of like, should people be able to do that? Um I I think back to you know, someone like Michael Jackson, like this is kind of how he made music to a certain extent. He would just record himself doing different lines um, and then come to the studio with it and yeah. like put that on a multi-track and like, all right, let's put this together and then have like real musicians play it. So I like, mean, the, the thing that it made me know? think of is when, you know, when Eminem was at his absolute height and mm. he became one of the most sought after producers in the game for some reason. That's yeah, how he yeah. that's how he made he would just go in and hum the you know baseline to somebody else to one of the bass yeah. brothers or to Dr. Dre or whatever and then they would play right. the you know whoever was his co-producer at the time would play right. it and actually program it and sequence it so his him producing was just kind of like humming things and like stacking them right. vocally and putting them right. together right yeah that's 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 uh, that's something that a lot of people with talent do so like um it makes it easier it makes it more accessible but like you still have to have talent to do that it is i think i'm just i don't know i think my bitterness from this just comes from an old man from being an old man who who wasn't in his prime when this when this was available because it is <laughs> it's like something that i dream like i took like very simple like uh you know some music classes when we were at sure. temple i took some like sound recording sound mixing classes i took like very basic like introductory level piano classes just to get like some i took like the introduction like music theory classes to try to learn this stuff and like you know none of it really mm -hmm. stuck with me but like in the moment i was like trying to learn like a little bit about this stuff but like you know never really pursued it much further but like the yeah the ability to like be able to do this because already it's been like the technology has been there for people who don't really have that much of a background in music theory yeah. to like yeah. make some stuff that like you know is good yeah. you know i'm yeah. not trying to be like I don't know. I, I don't want to sound like some sort of gatekeeper or something like that. Being like, <laughs> you need to be like a learned musician to like be a, you know, be a producer or like make beats or make music or something. But mm. I don't know. I'm interested no, it, to see it's... what could like possibly come out. I mean, you know, like Swiss Beats was using like a Casio, like a, you know, like what was Just he some, was using some stock, sounds. stock sounds from like, uh, yeah. you know, Walmart keyboards or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, like you know, when you, when you look at like, when you look at sampling, like it's really, people are like, Oh, sampling, like you're not really doing anything, but like the art, the art from it ha comes from like the year, you know, like the art comes from being able to hear three seconds over here from this. And then like seven second loop from this other record and be like oh i can put these together with a couple of other things and like make something entirely new out of that so like 
yes. Is it easier? Is it faster? And you know what? Let me let me back off of easier. Is it faster and more readily available? Sure. Yeah. And I, I think that's a I think that's a good thing. It makes it a little more accessible. It might make, you know, someone who may otherwise be, you know, a little scared to to try to to do this, but you know, has all these sounds in their head. It gets that person in the game. So I don't know. I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I would say the minute that we went we went from analog to digital, really all all bets were off. Yeah. It's that that was the biggest jump in terms of like music production. The minute that you had to you didn't have to like try to splice together tape, like physically splice together tape anymore. And like you just record new takes repeatedly and you like went to multi-track record like those those were the big jumps now we're just like now it's just like let's make it faster that was like literally game changing now it's just like uh, okay let's make it a little wider a little a little faster you know i don't know but that's coming from someone that's like i know i know just enough about these things to like be dangerous but not enough to really be good. Yeah. Uh, so like, yeah, it's, I, I, I guess in that position, I welcome them because it's like, all right, maybe, maybe I could, it could make me look a little better, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm all for the accessibility. Let the, let the, uh, let's knock down the barriers so that the true artists come through. Are you going to have to wait through a lot of, a lot more shit? Probably, but <laughs> the cream will rise to the top, you know. Yeah, or but, the industry plants will rise to the top, you know. The same thing. Yeah, but the industry plants are always going to be getting the opportunity to, uh, you know, the opportunities to get high level producers to, you know, make their music with them. Right, right, right. Very true. Um, Very true. The the the. The technology seems pretty accessible. I think I looked at it. I think it's like two hundred dollars for the thing. So anybody yeah. who wants for the for the program. So I think yeah. anybody who like really wants to, you know, really wants to write music or produce music or like you know, has has aspirations, but you know, not the ability to like learn a bunch of instruments or the time to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can kind of you know get their foot in the door or like you know people who want to write songs and maybe somebody wants to be a songwriter you know and they don't know how to do it you know right right and they can like kind of like put something together and like oh now they're gonna like get seen because of like you know they'll put songs that they write on tiktok or instagram or whatever and like they'll get a following and Maybe they'll sell songs to major artists who like re-record it or something, but it's a way to like get your talent out there without, you know, the, the, the gates being kept on the, the, it's a, it's a way to be a musician without the pesky gatekeeping of musicianship (laughs) of learning how to play music. Yeah. But I would be very interested uh, in knowing what some of our, our friends who are musicians think of this, you know, who are more like kind of like professional musicians. If you're listening, I'm talking to you, Elliot. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Shout out El Smooth. Yeah. But I mean, ultimately like, you know, even those like, 
even the the you know stuff that can be replicated now like a live instrument's always going to be a live instrument it's going to be it's going to have a better right. like feel to it it's going to sure. have a better you know it's going to have more soul it's going to have more actual like life to it than something yep. that is you know programmed with a midi controller right and to mainstream audiences that doesn't matter but to people who really care it does matter yeah yeah no that's 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 totally true um what i would fear is this technology in reverse um and this is a really bad setup out of mediocre joke so bear with me but if okay, you if you're going please. the other way and you're taking actual music and transitioning that then to vocalized lines uh i just fear that that would empower a whole new generation of like acapella bands uh. and acapella <laughs> groups and we don't need that. That's the one thing I would say we don't need. Yeah. We don't need we do any need any more any more access. Groups. No. Not no no we don't need to make that any easier. That's very funny. Yeah. That's that's all I got. Well, you know, I think this would if anything uh maybe murder acapella groups. <laughs> it might do them in forever. It might. It might. There's no, you know? need, there's no need for you anymore. Let's just yeah. make it a real song. It's just going to get all those, all those <laughs> college acapella groups to buy this program so they can, they can vocalize yeah. MIDI versions of their songs. <laughs> oh man. If only. Yeah. Speaking of technology and good or bad uses of it, Keenan, there's a strike mm -hmm. going on right now. There's multiple strikes going on right now there's in where strikes, I live. Yeah in the in the world of of los angeles and you know where the entertainment industry lives yeah, and right now yeah. is on strike uh we got people out here fighting for their livelihoods um you know writers the wga the screen actors guild they they're on strike a lot of it has to do with you know the future of technology artificial intelligence how that's going to be used implemented uh how uh you know also technology in terms of like streaming platforms uh, yeah. pro properly paying, you know, residuals, which make it possible for writers and, and actors to, you know, be paid based on the profits that studios are making on their work long after the work is done, but the, they're still reaping profits off of it. Real and concerns. Real concerns. And it brings up uh, a couple questions. Uh, the main thing I want to I want to talk to you about is I see a lot of people asking questions misunderstanding the strike, not knowing, you know, saying like, oh, actors are millionaires, you know, like they're, you know, not not realizing the the vast scope of people who make their lives as actors includes, yeah. you know, the vast majority of of actors and writers don't even qualify for uh, the health benefits, which is like right. a $26,000 a year, like threshold that they have to meet. So like something yeah. like 80% or something like that of the people yeah. who are actually in the union are like below the line to even like qualify for healthcare. So those are the people who, you know, when you see the famous people out there on the streets, uh, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, sure. They can strike. They don't need money. It's like, no, they are in solidarity with the people who aren't as successful, as rich as them right. who are trying to earn a livelihood. But the thing I want to talk to you about mostly is that, like, I don't ever remember, and this is probably by design, but, like, no one ever teaches you about, like, worker solidarity, about, like, 
about labor unions about and, labor unions yeah. about like yeah. proper like yeah like workers rights and things like that like all i remember from school like we learned a little bit about like child labor laws we learned like the triangle shirtwaist factory fire um <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's it i think yeah it might be yeah. like very small like nobody ever teaches you about like unless you have someone in your family like your family maybe or like people around you you know like right nobody ever teaches you like what like constitutes like scab behavior or like about like not crossing a picket line or respecting a picket line or things like that like and yeah. i remember all sorts of like propaganda about like how like you know unions were like a like for some people or in some media even were like a bad word you know like yeah oh unions yeah. were crooked unions were you know like how much how many movies or like tv shows or whatever show unions as being like oh they're mobbed up they're like infiltrated by the mob like every For aspect sure. of it that you see even in like hollywood which is like run by like every aspect of by it, labor unions yeah. by labor yeah. unions is like yeah. you know the only i'll tell you what like i learned i learned like after like my mom was like a union like representative when she worked for the uh mm. um i think it was when she worked for like children and youth and she was like a social worker she was in the social workers union she was like a rep for that i didn't learn about that until like after she died like i found a book wow. yeah. that she collected yeah. of all kinds of like uh of all the like newspaper clippings and write-ups of like the strike that she like helped organize and everything from when she was a union and like you know, she was always very like, you know, she she was very, she would teach me like some stuff, but not even like a ton. Like I never like she never really told me about like, you know, like how not to like cross a picket line. You know, like there are so many people like how many times do like Starbucks, you know, Starbucks employees go on go on strike and people don't know like not to go into a Starbucks. Right. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so like like you said, um, 100 percent by design. Um, I think we in particular grew up at like a time when union busting and like unions really took a turn. Um, and like most awful things that have happened during our lifetime, you can largely trace it back to Reagan. Yeah. Uh, so like, you know, there's, there's a certain element of like, yeah, we, we grew up in a time where we were trying to change the the narrative on unions and, but I, I say we, the country was changing the, the narrative on unions. It was really Republicans. But um, so like, yeah, a lot of that is by design. But like also, I think growing up in, in Philly, you get a, an interesting perspective on unions because like it's very much a labor town. It's very much a union town. And we like talk about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, but uh that same like negative portrayal you see in hollywood you do oftentimes see in reality as well like it that that myth persists because oftentimes there is at at the very least some sometimes a lot of truth to it too so like um and that's that's really like just any any good idea on a large scale like unchecked oftentimes will get abused because you know humans are inherently selfish and will find ways to 
to push the envelope when they can. But like, um, yeah, it's it's interesting to like see how people treat unions, and I I think when you see the discourse around unions on on the internet, that's that's what I often think is interesting. Like there was, I don't know if you saw, there was a clip of. Uh, and I'm blanking on his name right now uh, as an actor, but Roy from the American office um, talk, <laughs> talking about, uh, you know, the strike and like people were and 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 really what the, the union demands were and what they were based around and, and the structure of like how streaming in particular has, has created a, a system where studios and streaming services continue to make money hand over fist off of these shows and really the the people that did the work aren't continuing to profit off of them in ways that um they once did under like tv deals and things like that um and i saw a lot of responses that are like well that just sounds like any job you know like you did you did work before why do you think you're going to still continue to get paid on it uh years years after the fact if you're not continuing to do that work uh and like that's interesting because on the surface that seems semi-logical you're like yeah you okay so yes you were on this show for 10 years great the show's been off the off the air for 10 years now why do you think you should still be getting paid from that show um well, it's because then other, you look, yeah, you, like people don't understand that like other people are still profiting from it. That show is like, well, still yeah. earning people money. Yeah, exactly. Nobody knows, nobody knows how television works, right? People, nobody knows that like, oh, like these shows are on TV. The station sells ads, and like based on like how popular the show is, that's how what kind of like rates they can get. Nobody like, right? Nobody understands the mechanics of how they, they just think they turn on their TV and that there's shows. Right. And like some right. of them are free and some of them you have to pay for. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. 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 And it's interesting because I I, I think um part of part of that reaction, like that sounds like any job, just shows how well we've been conditioned to not expect good and and fair labor rights yeah it's like no that's how work works right like you maybe you get exploited a little bit like that's just how it works um so why are you complaining uh but we're not but um yeah i, th- I think it's just not not understanding how these industries work and I, I think sometimes that happens in in folks own industries they don't really understand how the revenue is actually being generated so like they don't recognize their true value to uh to their organizations and i think it's a lot easier at the surface to see that value if you take a little bit of a step back particularly in these strikes uh in the entertainment industry because it's like all right without these people you don't do anything yeah and that is what they're fighting to protect right now because it's on the horizon is let's see how far we can push the envelope so that these people become more and more dispensable or and disposable, you know. So like that really is what they're project what they're protecting against. Do you want to see a bunch of terrible terrible formulaic TV with like not real actors? 
or with like representations of actors that you know, but it's not actually them. Yeah. You know, like, do you want to see chat GPT? Uh, fucking. I don't. I don't know. Pick anyone. Anyone. Do you want to? Do you want to see a, a, a an AI Pete Davidson vehicle? Like, is that is that is that really what you want to see? Probably not. So, like, yeah. let's 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 fight to protect people's rights. Yeah, I think it's like there's been a slow programming of people over time, um, to expect things or to you know expect certain things from like like the whole like that's how all jobs are right Mm -hmm. and it's like well yeah because like the you know people who are in charge have been slowly taking things away they've been slowly taking away like you know like like basically stealing the value of the labor of the people who you know create the values of companies for years and then Mm -hmm. just like you know selling dreams in other selling dreams in other ways you know like through like side hustles or like oh you can you know you could become you could become famous or you know winning the lottery or whatever the hell it is you know and it's like so people people who are like people who work in other fields are like jealous and envious of like you know athletes that's why people like they hate when athletes go on strike they don't get it right they right. don't get that, like the percentage of like money that these, you know, and people don't understand that how much money is going to the people above the athlete. All they hear is like, you know, whatever million dollars a year for the athlete. Oh my God, I only make $40,000 a year. That's, you know, a hundred times more money than I make. You know, how can they possibly complain? But they don't understand that like the people above the athletes, are making so much more of a percentage of that and they're being paid based on their worth and guess what the same thing's happening to you you're not you're not being paid a proper percentage of the the work that you're bringing to your company too but you've been programmed to just be happy with what you're being paid because your life depends on it and you have to worry about where your next meal's coming from so you just say like so you just say like yes i i will take whatever i can get because you're so anxious you're like you know, created like a uh, yeah. just a feeling of anxiousness in everybody about like if I don't keep this job or hang on to this job, where am I going to get the next one or where am I going to yeah. get something you know better or you know when like I don't know like nobody's loyalty. But I yeah I think it's like a slow programming of people over time, and it it happens in in all kinds of in all kinds of things. My uh you know Lauren my my fiance is a uh, is a fashion designer. And, you know, she makes clothes and designs clothes by hand. And like she talks about how people have been programmed by like fast fashion to like expect cheap clothes, like to expect that like everything's going to be $20 and everything's going to like you're going to wear it a couple times. It'll fall apart. So then when there is clothes that's made like ethically and sustainably and like by like people who aren't being exploited or people who are being paid, people go crazy that like uh a hoodie costs $150 or something when it's like actually like, you know, from a, from a company that doesn't have like, you know, it's not like Supreme or something, you know, it's not like, it's not like a street brand or something that that's like inflated prices because of its, it's like status. Like they just see a company or like a small company that's like making clothes. And it's like, Oh, I can't pay that much for like a dress. Like 
I can mm-hmm. I can go to I can go to uh you know H and M and buy something for thirty dollars that's gonna look technically the same that was made for nothing by someone being paid nothing, you know. So it's just like by a, someone barely barely in in you know livable conditions yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah who's basically working in the triangle shirtwaist factory right right and i you know i it's 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 interesting because like in ways it is it is much easier to not think about these things yeah of course cuz if you, you know if it, you, it's yeah. so much simpler yeah. to not think about that um but yeah, when you when you when you wrap your head around it, you 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 kind of have to when you when you're when you're aware, <laughs> you you kind of have to to act and accordingly. It's, yeah, and it's maddening, and there's so much, and there's like yeah, all you could you know the whole like what like think globally and act locally or whatever you know what I mean. Like when you're yeah. aware of these big problems, you can't change the whole big problem, but you could change like your own actions and like what you do. And the more people who do that, the bigger shift there will be but it really is i mean it just makes me think about like the lack of education the lack of like ways the the ways that people are like slowly programmed to accept things how they're i don't know like how well it's because it's because we're we're an isolationist country like yeah yeah we're the oddballs on on a lot of things labor related that's very like we're we're the dummies yeah if you look at how the rest of the world um well not the rest of the world but a lot of the rest of the world. I hate to use terms like this, but a lot of the developed world, um, you know, the way that they're treating laborers, like, you know, you always see jokes about like, Oh, like uh, American out of office matches is like, Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in the hospital due to a gunshot wound. But like, if you really need to reach me, call me on my cell versus like European yeah. out of office messages is like, yeah, I'm out for the next month. I'll get back to you when I yeah. when I get back don't, to you. Don't yeah. Yeah. I might not see this email. It's not my fault. Like, yeah. Yeah. Or just like, yeah, cool. the idea that like, you know, Europeans get like, you know, you see people like just like, oh, they're on vacation and they come to America for like three months because they get like three months of paid vacation and they're like, yeah, you know, encouraged to take it and to travel and you know. Not paying for healthcare and all of those things. Yeah, like these are yeah, these are all these are all things that a, a large part of the rest of the world enjoys, uh, but we are so isolated that we don't even recognize that like what we have come to think is normal and like American work ethic uh, is just really super exploitative. Yeah, and that's all by design. Yeah. Uh huh. You know. So when you when you talk about make America great again. Oh no! That's what that's what you're hark that's what you're hearkening back to. Like uh, it, 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 it all goes it all goes back to Reagan. Yeah, but that doesn't Reagan, even like but th- like that doesn't even like play into the you, you know like people who people who are like you know idolize like oh the fifth oh the fifties oh American like uh, oh when America was great because we had all this money from. World War Two, <laughs> you know, like right, we oh right. we 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 won a world war and and stole a bunch of shit. So we had 
you know we yeah. had all this we had all this money from from what we did what we did there and everybody was afraid of us because we actually dropped a an a an atomic bomb on another country and everybody thought we were crazy maniacs who might do anything so they just kowtowed to whatever we whatever we asked and yeah you know we were, we were the big bullies and now we're trying to tell everyone else you should be scared of all these big bullies yeah even then rich people were taxed at a higher level and more people were in unions and 70 percent. yeah uh-huh. at times 70 percent of their income yeah and you know what we were fine yeah we were fine because what what this has done is not only like forced forced workers to accept and like almost expect to be exploited but it's also now made people that once you ascend to a certain level of power you now expect to exploit people yeah Maybe you don't think about that on the service level, but you're like, oh no, I should be, I, I there, I, I should a thousand percent be earning way more than than my workers. Like you talk about athletes, uh, sure, you might want to quibble about if James Harden is is worth a forty five million dollar contract. Think about the person that's signing his checks that still has fourteen that other has... people on the roster. Yeah to pay as well as well as running an entire franchise and that's still profiting yeah immensely like all that overhead and you're still making tons of money yeah crazy it's crazy great i'll tell don't you e- this don't even the, don't even the, get me started no. i this is like it's not a joke it's serious the most i ever learned about this stuff was was through the movie newsies yeah no that's a that's a that's a good that's a good one it you know like yeah a period a period musical about kids going on strike yep 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 last 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 thing i'll 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 bash reagan on and i'll get off this soapbox no bash reagan all you want bash reagan all day long on our podcast What's crazy to me is that I don't know if it was SAG in particular. I think it was though. He's a former union president. Oh yeah, he was the yeah yeah Reagan was the president of of SAG or AFTRA or whatever it was yeah whatever the one was back then. Wild abused his power. Basically, built in a loophole for his agency abused that got rewarded by it and then was like you know what let's bust up these unions like how evil is this man you know just only only out for himself just a guy who just like classically like just just going for what he can do just for himself and people exactly like him yeah like okay let me uh, okay i figured out how to play the game cool let me let me deadbolt the door behind me so that no one else is getting through this same door that i just snuck through and then let me just burn down the whole system so that no one no one else ever can take advantage of this too i could just be i can just you know i i can get away with this and then align yourself 
as like Joe Everyday because you're a fucking actor. Yeah. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. He would he he would rather have had planes crashing just to prove a point to the air traffic controllers that were striking in 81. Say no, we're not giving in to any of your demands. We're gonna fire you immediately. Who cares? Who cares what happens to air traffic? We're talking about the early late 70s, early 80s. Like we kind of take air travel for granted now. It wasn't always as smooth. As yeah. it is now, that's a big gamble. Didn't matter. People's lives didn't matter. I'm flying privately. We'll be fine. Crazy, absolutely crazy. It's wild stuff. So, if you're listening to this, you're probably not one of the people who need to to beef up on your. <laughs> I'm saying you probably already understand where we're coming from. We're probably preaching in the choir. Sure. But, sure. But think about ways you can expand with the choir. Yeah. Think about ways yeah. you can you can add more members to our choir so we can harmonize through the MIDI controller, turn that into all kinds of instruments, and make <laughs> beautiful music together. Yeah. Yeah. True instruments of change. You know where to find us, stretchforpod.com. And the only social media that matters is Substack. Stacking it up on the stretchforpod.substack.com. It's free. We might start doing premium content. Follow us there. Yeah. And follow the labor union leaders. into the into into i don't know i lost it i really blanked I'm, out there I'm, a, I was I'm, trying I'm, to... a, I'm gonna give you one here Fo- follow follow your heart uh everywhere but across a picket line oh uh, there it is keenan cleaning it up that's what <laughs> that's what teamwork is all about <laughs>